0: The year is 1958, and on a brisk November morning, the ICGV Thor, flagship of the Icelandic Coast Guard, launches from the city of Reykjavik into a stormy North Sea. In the city, the temperatures are balmy 6 degrees, but out on the sea, wind and spray from the salty water can drop temperatures down to minus 8. But the crew of the ICGV Thor aren't deterred. They're hardy Icelanders, descendant from Vikings, and they know these seas like no one else, which is good because they're not alone out there. Somewhere in the early morning fog, a fleet of enemy ships has invaded Icelandic waters, and it is the ICGV Thor's duty to hold them back. They are outnumbered and outgunned, but this is their home, and they are damn well not going to give it up without a fight. Welcome back to another episode of the Cloak & Dagger podcast. I am, that's a weird way to start. My name's
1: Patrick Courtney
0: and I'm joined as ever by my co-host Will. Will, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. That felt like you were doing some sort of newsreel there. Yeah, well
0: I started with oh. I and that really threw me. Like, <laughs> I st- Normally we have a really good system where we say my name is so-and-so and that. Yeah. But I said I and it really that really threw me. Honestly, it's trying to work out how to start one of these episodes is one of the hardest parts of the recording. Yeah, I really think, I mean it would have be been a terrible idea, but I I, I, maybe we talk about it at the beginning, but
1: like just recording it once and then using the same thing over and over again. But that would probably be a bit lame, but I it would be a lot like, easier. It would, yeah, it would be a lot easier. But I feel like, you know, people miss out on the little bit of podcasting magic that is our opening. Yeah, magic's a strong word there. But yeah, I yeah bit, they like, get I was sick in this. my mouth when I said that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so this is episode
0: three of our new series, and it is my turn this time. And as ever, uh, we want to remind you to check out our Instagram at Cloak and Dagger podcast, I did it right this time. Stop smiling. Hey, you got it. You can go there and check out a bunch of extra content related to every episode, see a bunch of images. It's always really helpful to kind of see what you're hearing about. And then if you enjoyed yourself, go ahead and leave us a review wherever you get your podcast because it does really, really help out the show.
1: It really, really does. And we listen to every comment and, and review that you guys write. We really appreciate all of your support. And apparently, everyone's been listening to our Venice episodes. So, you know, these these are timeless, these episodes. So go yeah, back that, and listen that to that the is weird. it's weird. There's like
0: five people we've spoken to listening to the Venice
1: episodes. I don't know why if the... So we hear you guys. Yeah. We, can, we, we know that you're <laughs> well, listening. five at you at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, so today, we have uh, a little bit of a change from our normal uh, sort of recording sort of schedule. Because what we're doing today is, for this season, instead of us both doing an episode on every single city we're doing... We are doing two episodes where we individually focus on one story from a minor city, so one that you may or may not have been to. So today's Mm. one is going to be Patrick's sort of vignette city. Yes, that's what we're calling it, vignette. I like that. It's very cool,
0: very cool. Thank you. And the city I have chosen, and I've chosen this city primarily, I had another one planned, um, but I'm actually really glad I've switched to this one because the main reason is I have recently been there. I have chosen the city of Reykjavik, which is the capital city of Iceland, which if you've mm. ever been or get the chance to go, it is pretty expensive to get there and very expensive while you're there um, because it's a pretty great country and, you know, they have a lot of money. But I would <laughs> highly recommend it. It is staggeringly beautiful and very surreal and just a, like an amazing place.
1: Yeah. Once I have the money, I will be heading north. To Reykjavik, (laughs) okay. Not to Manchester. Not to (laughs) Manchester. Just to the not to Scotland. Just Just heading north. Yeah, (laughs) I'm just gonna keep going, see where the North Star takes me. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, with that, let's get started. Okay.
0: So, yes. Today's episode is on Reykjavík, which is the capital of Iceland. And Iceland is, as I said, a staggeringly amazing place. It's known as the land of ice and fire, which is so... No. Yeah, that's what they is call it? it. Well, it makes sense because there are literally there are frozen waterfalls, bubbling lava fields, and they have volcanoes that are capped with glaciers. What? which is pretty intense isn't it yeah so just imagine so this cool. hunk of ice just sitting above like bubbling magma i mean you know there's quite a bit of distance between the two <laughs> yeah. otherwise it wouldn't be ice it anymore. would just be a sea yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but supposedly the or a the, muddy hill i'm not going to pronounce the name of the volcano but the volcano that went off in 2014 2012 oh, yeah, some yeah, ages yeah. ago and it shut down like all or like, of europe all basically all over most of the world supposedly the main reason the cloud was really bad is because it had a glacier on top and so all of this like stuff that was in the glacier and then they have these like dirty glaciers that aren't like clean they've got like, they've got a lot Stay of sediment in them yeah, yeah. wash <laughs> but it was one of these that got erupted and so all of this got blasted uh, into the stratosphere didn't yeah. it like dull the sun or something yeah it's it was pretty intense like it cooled down the planet by not a lot and for not that long a period of time but
1: yeah i've just remembered for those listeners who have been with us a long time, my Egyptian episode what was it? I can't remember if this was. I think this was Blood on the Sand, which is a yes. which was a murder. It was an assassin. It was assassination episode. Yes um we spoke about Ramses the II second or third I forgot forgotten which one um but that um one of the reasons his uh, whole sort of his whole reign went into crisis is because of an Icelandic volcano that went off and cooled the world down which caused all sorts of issues so Iceland changes the world it does every time a lot it, 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 it has a big impact I mean you know,
0: Iceland it's it's interesting that Iceland the physical landmass is having such an impact. Yeah. I don't think there's any other landmass that has such an impact on the rest of the world. I'm going to go out and say there <laughs> isn't. <laughs> okay. And I don't care if you can think of anything else. Unless <laughs> literally there's me like going. What would <laughs> me? Oh, can't, I, I don't know what a landmass could do, but this one does because it's constantly <laughs> erupting and destroying the rest of the world. Well, may not destroying. But um I mean that's really ruined the the first thing I was going to say about Iceland is because before we dive into my story, I wanted to give you a brief background onto Iceland and Reykjavik, the capital city, and I was going to start with uh, talking about how Iceland has no prehistory because until the Vikings got there, there were no humans there, which is kind of ruined by the fact that we've just talked about how important Iceland was in the <laughs> days of the
1: Egyptian pharaohs. So yeah, I no guess it did have a prehistory. <laughs> yeah, but well, this is the thing. It's like if a tree falls out down in a forest and no one's there to hear it, does it make a noise? Ooh, is it history if there was no one there to tell it? To record it, exactly. Ooh, Ooh. deep. Well, so my... I was told about the origins of Iceland and I can't remember where I heard this, probably sometime in my history course, that the reason it was inhabited in the first place was they were shipwrecked and they couldn't find enough trees to then make enough ships to get off the island again. That's the myth I was told. I feel like that might be Greenland because ah.
0: Iceland back in the day was actually had tons of trees. It doesn't anymore <laughs> okay. because the Vikings came and they really liked building ships, but it used to be covered in forests. And okay. I know the, I, the joke is that Iceland is very green green and Greenland is full of ice. Yeah. So it might have been Greenland that they got shipwrecked on because the founding, unless the legend I've got, I mean, it's a legend, so it might not be real anyway, but the legend I've got isn't that. Sure. So I'd thank you for not interrupting me with a different story than I have. (laughs) Sorry. But yeah, so the the founding of uh, Reykjavik and of Iceland kind of dates back to uh, Viking times. Uh, and although there's some hints or evidence that maybe people were there before, there may have been some Irish monks there, there may have been other Vikings who went there and just didn't stay, mm-hmm. but the legendary start to Iceland was, came from a guy called Ingolfer Arnason, and he was Norwegian, and he was actually fleeing Norway because of a blood feud. Which,
1: as, as he did. Very
0: Viking. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I guess, you know, people had obviously been to Iceland before because he did aim to get there. So people knew it was there, but no one had really settled permanently there. Sure. But Ingolfer decided, I need to get out of here. I need to find my own land where I can be free of all these Norwegian politics. It's all, it's going a lot. There's a lot going on over there and he's just sick of it. Sure. So he comes to Iceland, but he decides he's not going to pick where his new home is going to be. He's going to leave that in the hands of the gods. And the way he does this is he brings with him his high seat pillars, which are essentially these two uh, wooden carved pillars that would be either side of his high seat in his hall in Norway. Okay. So he can't take his whole home. So he decides, I'll just (laughs) take these two big pillars. And then when he's in sight of Iceland, he hurls the two pillars into the water and then lets them drift to shore and that in that way he's letting the gods pick where he lands. Interesting. So it's it actually because I was thinking about this and it's quite clever rivers, right? Well, rivers and currents and you know, you'd you it might actually make scientific sense to let just a bit of driftwood take you where the most important because also it will be where other things will land, which is helpful finding driftwood or finding anything else that's washed up could be useful.
1: Yeah. So it kind of maybe makes sense? It makes it a natural you'll find the natural port that way. Well, wouldn't it? I guess I think
0: you'd find a bay because by the port there'd be rushing water coming out. Oh, we, but then you yeah. kind of get
1: these eddy currents which could swirl things in, and you still get a lot there. So, it's a cool idea. I mean, it, I'm not, if anyone's thinking of uh, venturing out to find themselves a, a new. Yeah, I'd,
0: I'd highly recommend it. And what's funny is actually, I first heard about this story in on a walking tour in Reykjavik, mm. and the guy was telling us about when he told it to a couple of Swedish tourists, and one of the Swedish tourists said, "Oh, that's really interesting. That's exactly the same myth that is the origin story from the town I'm from in Sweden." So really, <laughs> chances are
1: this is maybe a common tale around Scandinavia. No, that's that's uh, funny enough. I uh, was listening to an episode of something talking about how uh, St. Bridget founded her sort of bit of Ireland, her kingdom there. Mm. And it's exactly the same myth that is the origin story of Denmark. Oh, really? <laughs> and it's so interesting. And I, I, Anyway, I won't go into that now, but it's so funny how clearly shared law yeah, goes absolutely. all over the, the North Atlantic archipelago, as it's known. Exactly. And I wonder, you
0: know, I wasn't with that Swede who was there, so I wonder whether that's an older town or a more recent town, so... Who knows where this story originally came from, but I'll keep with it, (laughs) Um, even though it's not quite history. So Engulfer decides this is how he's going to find where he's going to land. It's supposedly, some things say that it took him two years to find where the pillars went, so I guess he kept landing, staying for a bit, and then going searching for them again, which is weird. Yeah, a bit of a slow process to find it, but he eventually finds them, and they've settled in a bay on the southeastern side of Iceland. And as he approaches it, he sees these massive columns of smoke rising up from the land, mm. which he mistakenly thinks must mean signs of habitation, of people. You know, there's columns of smoke, there must be fire. But he's actually seeing the geothermal vents releasing columns oh. of smoke or steam into the air.
1: That's so, so That's cool. where that comes
0: from. And he decides, while he's still mistaken about what these are, he decides to name this bay Smoky Bay which in Icelandic means Reykjavík. No. Yes.
1: Smoky Bay. Yes. Vik
0: supposedly means bay. And you might contest this, but this is one of the ideas about possibly where the name Viking came from, because they were like, people who went to lots of bays and raided. So they really? were Vikings. So Vikings.
1: Oh, I didn't know it's that. It's kind
0: of contested. I think it's like not the most likely cause. I think there's a couple other like suggestions that are more likely, but that's at least one of them.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I don't know any of the others. I, all I know is that you're never a Viking. You just go Viking. It's yes. like a state of mind. So you go on. It's like going on crusade. You're not. Yeah, it's a
0: kind of. Prof- it's kind of profession. Yeah. It's a type of warrior. That's that why you they're are, all yeah.
1: farmers because they could do that and then they'd go Viking. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which makes sense. You go like baying.
0: Yeah. Like you go to. You're you looking sea, for you those go, bays. You go to other bays. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Sounds really weird.
0: It does. Um, so that is the founding of Reykjavik. Smoky Bay. Smoky Bay. It's a great that, name. It isn't sounds it? like sort of ah, yeah. Smoky Bay. Smoky Bay.
1: <laughs> no, but more like Icelandic and Norviking. vikings So yeah. it's still I'm not going to try still and kind do. Of cool. I'm not doing a Norwegian <laughs> version or Icelandic
0: version. Yeah. Um, so to whiz through the rest of Icelandic history, uh, this small like settlement that Ingolfur sets up it actually just remains a small fishing village for the next 900 years <laughs> so iceland doesn't really get that many other major settlements the, okay. the probably the largest ones would be around what's known as the althing which is their icelandic parliament which is the oldest parliament in the world because ah. they set it up the vikings set it up and it although i think there's a couple times where it's dissolved by various other kings But it always gets reformed and it is still going today. So it is the world's oldest parliament, which is very cool. That is very cool. And they meet, or they don't do it anymore. I wonder if they do maybe occasionally. But the place they used to meet was in a valley between two tectonic plates, and it's like one of the only few places in the world where you can literally see above ground the two tectonic plates. Whoa. And so when you're in the middle of them, you can like touch the American tectonic plate and the European one. Oh my and that's goodness. where they held these parliaments like once every, like once a year or twice a year so that they could, everyone would gather and then someone would like read out the laws that they were all going so, to so they,
1: they can't have known about tectonic
0: plates. So it's no. so interesting that they, they didn't realize that they how important that law. was. Yeah. yeah, it was just this like grand place. I don't know if this is... I can't quite. I couldn't find any proof of it online, but I'm fairly sure I heard it while I was out there. But the idea is one of the reasons they liked doing it there is because a big part of it was someone, the law bringer, would come and just speak the laws to everyone. Yeah, and it echoes inside a valley, ah. so he didn't have to shout that loud. So it was just a way because that there's no you know most people couldn't read or write. So like recorded law would be really difficult. You know, you don't have a phone or the internet to look up a law. <laughs> so you needed everyone to just hear it once a year and remember it. So you needed to go to a place where everyone could listen to you. That's so interesting.
1: It's weird, isn't it? Oh, it's a bit like the, all the Viking, all the sagas were, or an oral history. Yeah. Until they were written down by Snorri Sturluson in the 13th century. So before then it was like Homer, you know, it's the yeah. same thing. It's just, it lasted longer in the North. Mad. Yeah. Um,
0: so continuing on, uh, while Iceland is a is an interesting place because actually it is largely isolated and therefore mostly independent. It is actually ruled by other kingdoms for most of its existence. However, because they're so far from it, they didn't really do much with them. And it's quite a, it's quite a poor nation for most of its history. Sure. So it was first ruled over by uh, the Norwegians, uh, and then the Danish took over. Actually, took over once. Denmark and Nor and Norway yeah, they did that of, thing. Yeah, they did that big the the, the <laughs> they
1: amalgamated. What didn't is it? They? The Kalmar Union or yeah, the three crowns? Is yeah, it I the think, Union yeah, yeah, the three yeah. crowns? Something like that. Yeah. If we're wrong, we apologise to we apologize. any Norwegians or Danes listening.
0: If we if we're wrong, actually, you just misheard us and we were right. So listen to the episode again; you'll figure out the subtlety there. <laughs> um, but eventually, flowing all the way forward to 1944, Iceland actually gets its formal independence. And our story takes place actually after this, ah. so we, this is. I, I think we were saying in, in the previous episodes that these are very very modern episodes. I, we didn't mean to do this, and we will be jumping backwards in time. I think
1: for the next two episodes. Oh yeah, the, spoilers a bit of that, but yeah, my next episode is five hundred years ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think mine's yours even, is two thousand. Yeah, years I think ago. mine's even longer. No. <laughs> so we will be going back to more ancient history. But th- thank God, this story, Sorry, the, <laughs> this story takes place in the this story takes place in the twentieth century. So, Will, yes, Patrick. I have a question to ask you. Ooh. What would you say are some of the most important wars that happened during the 20th century?
1: That's a tricky one, Patrick. I mean, mm. if you're asking, that no, I'm joking. So World War One, World War II, sure. Vietnam War, Vietnam, Afghan, Soviet yeah. War. Oh, yeah.
0: Cold <laughs> War. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, you're wrong because you
0: have <laughs> missed out one of what I think is the most important wars of the 20th century, if not all of human history. Wow. This is a naval war that Iceland became embroiled in to protect its rights and its independence. You're looking at me shocked because you had no idea. And, you know, you should be ashamed, being a self-professed historian, (laughs) and you know nothing about this.
1: I apologise, but I look
0: forward to learning.
1: Every day's a school day.
0: Would you be even more intrigued to find out that on the other side of this war was none other than the United Kingdom? (gasps) The very country we sit in right now. Oh my goodness, I i am shocked color me intrigued oh you will be so intrigued because of course and i'm sure so many of our listeners already know what i'm talking about because it's such a famous war i am of course speaking of the legendary cod wars of 1958 1972 and 1975 the cod wars the cod wars brilliant so let me give you a little background okay Iceland is surrounded by rich fishing seas. And you can find halibut, you can find hake, you can find pollock. I don't really know many fish, but these ones you can find. I think you're doing well. It's pretty good, isn't it? But you can also find the most prized of all, the North Sea cod. And this will become the centrepiece of this international conflict I'm going to tell you about today. Okay. Now, Britain, the UK, for those who don't know, United Kingdom (laughs) (laughs) have been sending fishing boats to ply these waters for the last 500 years and mostly without that much permission from Iceland. There have been kind of treaties that are kind of said, yeah, you can do this and this, but the UK largely ignored them. They're a very big country and they could kind of just do what they want, which, of course, has bled into, you know, the economy and the culture of this country. Mm. I mean... Fish and chips is like our only good dish we invented. So
1: it's Don't pretty important. not bake
0: beans on toast, mate. Bake beans on toast. Bake beans on anything, which <laughs> although we mostly have Heinz, which is German. So, you know. <laughs> Don't tell them. <laughs> uh, and before the outbreak of the Great, it's not called the Great Cod War, but I might start calling it the Great Cod War. Yeah. There had been kind of lots of arguing and lots of debates, especially quite recently, like prior to 1958, there's been a kind of like growing tension in this area because it's a very valuable resource mm. for cod and fishing in general. And we've had a kind of distant relationship with Iceland. We've never been that close. You know, they're they're not they're they're a bit north of us. So we share a kind of area. Yeah. But I haven't seen that much information on our dealings with them a huge amount. We kind of dealt with them through the Scandinavians as a whole and through Denmark and through Norway. So but at this point, In the mid 20th century, things are about to kick off.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: So the year is 1958. (laughs) Herman Jonasson, is that right? Yeah, Jonasson. Herman Jonasson is Prime Minister of Iceland and Harold Macmillan is the UK Prime Minister. That rings a bell. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's September the 1st and the world is rocked by a stunning announcement. Iceland has just declared that it is extending its fishing territory from four nautical miles away from its shore to 12. Twelve. Twelve. Three 12, times as much. Three times as much. That is a flagrant violation of international law. I mean, the, originally, there had been this like, international settlement that it should be three nautical miles away from the Icelandic shore or from any shore. That was where your like territory Stop. for all countries existed. Sure. Iceland had already pushed it a bit far to go to four. Now they were going for 12. My goodness. You you get
1: a little bit of independence and you go after your fish.
0: 100%. And this is a big deal for Britain because they send trawlers and fishermen into those seas all the time. And it's a really big part of the economy, especially in the north of England and in Scotland. It's a really big deal. Mm. So the UK Parliament has to respond. And they respond with their own declaration, stating that not only will their fishing vessels continue to fish in the seas of Iceland, however... Wait, no. But... But they will also... Be sending the Royal Navy to guard these fishing ships. Oh, sounds about right. This is a reasonable response, <laughs> isn't <laughs> no, it? Not yeah. really. <laughs> so what are they going to do with those battleships? I mean, you can't... I mean, I'm being a bit overdramatic, but you can kind of get it a bit. Like, this is a big hit to their economy, and Iceland's just said they're doing this. Mm. They've just said also there will be suddenly, on September the 1st, there will be fishing ships, British fishing ships, within 12 miles, nautical miles of
1: Iceland, that are suddenly illegal, yeah. You know, I'm just thinking about it. The UK, the UK, the UK in the 50s. Okay, I'll tell you for why <laughs> we sent the bloody ships up there. Yeah. First of all, World War 2, post World War 2, Britain started to lose its international status as the policeman or the the top dog, right? Yeah. In 1947, India declares independence. In 1956, the Suez Canal crisis happens and the Americans stop them from intervening so they've been Already emasculated. Exactly. They that used to be the empire that ruled the waves. Exactly. And now right on their doorstep, a bunch of Icelandic fishermen <laughs> are kicking them out. Exactly. So yeah. they've they just got bruised pride. They they're, really do. So they're literally sending out these boats. Is it like watching a guy buy a really big car to make up for something he hasn't got anymore?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's
1: quite sad. I think that's an excellent analogy for the, for the UK in the mid-50s. You can take our empire, but yeah. you can't take our fish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, dear.
0: So, unsurprisingly, the deployment of the Royal Navy leads to quite a lot of protests within Iceland. There is a demonstration held outside of the British Embassy. And to make matters worse, in response, the British ambassador, a guy named Andrew Gilchrist taunts the crowds by playing bagpipe music and military marches on his gramophone. Again, the guy, the the, (laughs) the, the Brits are just, they're hurting. This guy (laughs) is assuming he is still part of the greatest empire that has and will ever live. Like, and he's not quite correct about this. No. And this is where the real war starts. So let you know, we're having a lot of fun. But this is a real war. Sorry, yes. Exactly. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, need to get much more serious. And so, Iceland is obviously a pretty big disadvantage here. Because while, as we say, the UK is not what it was, it's still a massive... It's still an empire, yeah, I think. still a nuclear power. It's still a nuclear power. And... Iceland were only really able to deploy a very small number of vessels. Uh, only about seven patrol vessels were sent out to kind of protect their waters. Whereas the Royal Navy sent fifty-three warships. You're kidding. Yeah, yeah. I mean, over the course of the whole thing, but
1: still, yeah, but Iceland has still only sent seven. I'm yeah, guessing. they've only got seven. <laughs> the
0: Royal Navy is like, fuck this. We've got to, we got to send them in. I mean, they've got all the, they've got all these post-war vessels. They've got to do something with them. Yeah
1: they were all those people on national service still as well.
0: Exactly, yeah. So things start to kick off. So on the 4th of September, the Aegean, an Icelandic patrol vessel, attempted to take a British trawler off the Westfjords, but was thwarted when the HMS Russell intervened and collided with the side of the Aegean. Whoa. So you're starting to get... This is kind of... Argy-bargy. <laughs> sure. This is kind of the gist of this war, is that they're not... ...actually going to start firing properly. They're not going to just see one of the enemy vessels... ...and just start whaling them... It's a lot of ramming because it's kind of just trying to kind of, like, disable them. They don't want to hurt anyone in particular. They just want to disable the ship so it has to bugger off. Gotcha. And then they can let the
1: trawlers do what they do. I mean, again, if you think about the people involved, you're talking about the British you have, you know. <laughs> oh, very polite, don't mind if I do sort of attitude. And then you've got the sort of Icelandic Scandinavian sort of like, oh, we're all just really friendly people, but actually we want our fish, please. Yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is a real, like, battle for the ages because these... These are two groups that
0: are famous for ruling the seas. You've got the British Navy and Vikings, and they are going toe-to-toe for possibly the first time in history.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. we've
0: held a grudge ever since the Vikings were maybe there. Maybe that's what this is. Maybe it's just a grudge. <laughs> which, is a bit un- which is a bit unfair, because we were mostly invaded by the Danes, and this is And the Norse, and the
1: Norse. Oh, really? Yay. Well, then maybe
0: because they are kind of Norwegian 900 years ago. So, yeah, we hold that grudge. Apparently we do. So on the 6th of October, the, and this doesn't sound like a very Icelandic name, but apparently is one of the ships, the Maria Julia hmm. fired three shots at the British trawler Kingston, forcing it to flee.
1: They actually fired what? Yes, like
0: fire. No, fired shots like nearby, like not aimed. Like they oh, weren't. Okay. They weren't really at this point. They're not really trying to hit them. It's more just for show to try and send them off. At this and it's point. just a. It's just a. Yeah, and it's just a British trawler. So just a fishing vessel and a trawler. If if you don't know, or if our listeners don't know, they're these ships where they're kind of really awful for the world, but they just have these massive nets that they just drag along the floor and they just grab everything and wreck the seabed. And it's really bad for the world but at yeah. this point they didn't care that much humans man yeah no it's kind of it's kind of rough and I would say you know the Icelanders are doing a good thing by stopping them but really they're doing it so that they control yeah, it's not that much better then on the 12th of November the Icelandic Coast Guard's flagship the ship I was talking about before named the Thor the which Thor yeah it's pretty good that's pretty cool they encounter a trawler called the hackness and fire two blanks Uh, and one live shell, like, over its bow. So the flagship Thor is no joke. They're getting closer to this being actual combat. Could could,
1: could this be because they didn't have enough ammunition to fire three shots? Yeah. We'll fire (laughs) Fire two blanks. two blanks. (laughs) And then we'll send this real one over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That might have been the
0: case. But, you know, it's still a bit of a threat. Yeah, good for them. And they would have arrested the trawler, but then, once again, the HMS Russell flies in and is able to drive off the Thor... Um, By arriving with, uh, first arriving and kind of like maneuvering in the way, but then some other British ships arrive. So the Icelandic Coast Guard is what they're, they don't really have a navy, they have the Coast Guard. Mm. They're doing a fairly good job, but they are outmatched.
1: If it comes to proper conflict, they do have to leave, but they have
0: been able to send some of the trawlers home.
1: Yeah, it's funny because, you know, in this country, we love an underdog. I'm definitely rooting for the the Icelandic Navy, but there's just absolutely no way they can win this, unless, I'm guessing, public opinion might sway. I don't know. I don't know this. Let's public see. opinion is one thing. However,
0: Iceland has another ace up their sleeve, and it is... A nuclear weapon. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> no, their ace up their sleeve is the Cold War, and the position... It's an odd ace. (laughs) Yeah. But the position, the geopolitical situation at this time really favours Iceland. Iceland at this time are part of NATO. And because of this this incident going on, they threaten to leave NATO if they don't get their way. And this is not something that the UK or the US or the rest of NATO uh, are, are willing to consider. Because... Iceland sits in a really important place in terms of the Cold War because there's something called the G I UK gap, which is essentially the strip of ocean between the UK, Iceland and Greenland. Mm. And if you think on a map that separates the like North Atlantic from the Norwegian Sea in the North Sea. Sure. And the Norwegian Sea, if you go far enough round, it might turn into another sea, I don't know what. It eventually gets to Russia. So there is oh. a real importance to make sure that Russia is unable to send warships through to the Atlantic Ocean, hmm. because that would massively open out, you know, where they can go to. And so keeping NATO countries ruling over Greenland, Iceland, and the UK is super important to keep that, like, naval choke point locked down.
1: Sure, sure.
0: So this is a kind
1: of brilliant <sighs> it's just move this, it's, by Iceland. It is, and actually it's Suez all over again, because it, they, the Suez Canal was so damn important that the US said no stop it UK just let it go and now it's Iceland it's the other end it's another choke point on the other end of the scale
0: and the UK is just kind of getting destroyed because it's yeah it can't it's not I mean it probably also agrees you know the UK parliament Howard McMillan knows he Howard Harold 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 McMillan knows the Cold War is more important than the Cod War I don't know why he thinks that's obviously the Cod War was super important but the US couldn't give a shit about the Cod War They just want to make sure Russia is contained and so will not be okay with Iceland leaving NATO, which could be really disastrous to them. Yeah, fair enough. So this works. There is a huge amount of international pressure and Britain has to concede and
1: recognises the new 12 nautical miles of fishing that Iceland has secured. I wonder how much that actually impacts. Surely the fish don't realise. I mean, obviously the fish aren't going to know which trawler's picking them up, but I meant... Like that extra nine kilo- no, eight kilometers that they've expanded around their island of Iceland.
0: Well, it's interesting. Do you know I, mean?
1: I don't know for sure, but from what I've read, I I think it is
0: the closer to the shore is more important. It was probably shallower, so it's probably easier to fish. Mm. And I think the fish tend to stay. They don't like swim into open necessarily water. into open water because there's bigger thing. There's bigger fish that could that could eat them. There's always so a I bigger think, fish. Yeah, nearer Iceland is better fishing. Mm you know if this if this wasn't if it was further out then maybe it would be a different scenario yeah. but yeah so from my understanding that closer and also <laughs> be a bit rich for iceland to say no no actually we don't care about the bit close to us it's a bit further away they just pick like a band and go yeah this is just ours now yeah, yeah, yeah. so maybe that's the other part of it okay now you might think the episode's over we've 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 finished the the cod war the great cod war is over britain is humiliated but iceland has got what it wanted yeah. Well, you would be wrong. Oh my God. <laughs> the year is 1972, and the second Cod War is about to begin.
1: <laughs> Just in case you didn't get enough of the Cod War first time <laughs> round.
0: <laughs> We've got a new cast of characters. Olafur Johannessen is Prime Minister of Iceland. I deeply apologize to any Icelandics, <laughs> <laughs> uh, any Icelandic people listening, and I'm butchering all these names, but I'm, I'm doing my best. Yeah. Um, and Edward Heath is the UK Prime Minister. Also, apologise for any Brits who I'm apparently pronouncing these names wrong as well. So,
1: no, Heath is the right. No, that's right. <laughs> um, so,
0: second Cod War kicks off.
1: Have they learnt their lesson from the first war? Who, either
0: of them? <laughs> <laughs> I think Iceland has learnt a very good lesson in that they can kind of get away with a lot because to kick off the second Cod War, they make another declaration. This time, they are extending their fishing limits from 12 nautical miles to 50.
1: What on earth is going on? 50
0: nautical miles. How much
1: fish do they need?
0: They need a lot of fish. Clearly. The important thing, the other thing to say here is also, it's not necessarily just to... They don't need, like, they don't have that many people in Iceland. They're not doing this to feed themselves. No, I know. It's, it's to export, sell it. It's export. I That's know. <laughs> really what this is all about. It's all, it's just about the money. It's, this is... It's not just piling up the fish in the, yeah, yeah. the houses. <laughs> just keep taking we the We need fish. this fish. We just don't want the Brits to have it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, but this is, I mean, this is classic war. This is about a resource of more than anything else. Yeah, you know, they yeah, can yeah. say it's about Icelandic rights or British sovereignty. It's, no, it's about the money. It's about this precious resource. It's the oil of the north sea which actually is probably oil but <laughs> yeah. no it's gas in the north sea gas is in the north sea yeah, yeah well then this is the this is the <laughs> the living oil of the north sea sure. this stuff is really really valuable so the war kicks off again and once again the british invade with royal navy ships because it didn't work for them before <laughs> and if the british army and you know military like mines are
1: known for anything, it's just doing the same thing again. <laughs> Did you say 1971?
0: 1972.
1: 1972, okay. <laughs> I'm not going to try and work out what happened there because it's too close to modern day. I know nothing about the history. I know, of the we're, get,
0: we're getting very, very close to...
1: This to, is as far forward as we've ever
0: gone. Uh, yeah, I think 1972. And we're about to go further. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but this, the Second Cold War is kicked up to a new level. This okay. is when things start to really escalate because it also becomes quite an international war because... 50 nautical miles is not only impeding on the like fishing lanes of Britain, but other nations as well, okay. primarily including West Germany, because it's, it, it's still West Germany at the time apparently Yeah, no, no, no. I was, I was
1: trying to work out where Germany has a, has
0: a coastline. <laughs> <laughs> but they do, they, they like to fish. Uh, and then Belgium is the other one, but there's not as much about them. So I think it's mainly Britain and West Germany. But not and Germany.
1: Denmark and not Norway? Apparently not. They don't seem to be bothered. They seem closer. Oh, maybe they're just like, oh, they just don't need this fish.
0: There they don't see. I mean, but well, most of the European states, and this is including the Soviet bloc, so those are mostly states that are kind of in agreement with the Soviet Union. All of these places are in massive opposition to Iceland doing this because it's affecting a lot of them and they just think this is ridiculous. Iceland's taking way too much. However, there are lots of African states who declare support for Iceland because the Icelandic prime minister, Olafur Jóhannesson, he... Argues that the Icelandic cause was part of a broader battle against colonialism, colonialism and imperialism, Oh my which lord. which is a great spin
1: on the on on this conflict. Yeah, I think this is inter- this is really interesting actually because it's sort of like it's obviously I mean great talking points. We hate imperialism on this podcast, as <laughs> yeah. you know. Cold War. This is hilarious. Cod co- it, This is not. <laughs> I don't think this is imperialism, and maybe it is, but fifty kilometers off your coastline when when the international boundary says it's three yeah is like come on mate it's getting you got 12 it's <laughs> getting a bit aggressive but then again you know who were the
0: people that set these three mile these three nautical nought- miles it was
1: the consensus of the un
0: it's the consensus of like the international community but arguably the international community especially in this time will be mostly ruled over by you know empires or post-empire european states you know the smaller post-colonialism places probably don't have a massive say in everything because they're weaker or are still partially controlled by the... I mean, you know, as much as there might be, like, even votes, the sway that these old empires would have would still be massive. Yeah. I and mean, it's still kind of true today that these old riches... You know, because they're also richer. Mm. So it's still mm. kind of a level of colonialism, maybe almost like capitalistic colonialism. They're kind of, like,
1: manipulating the world through money rather than just sending troops in. So were the African nations also in a dispute over something, or were they just like, oh, they saw a minnow and went, we'll go behind you because you're an underdog?
0: I mean, I don't know, but I imagine they're probably in lots of arguments oh, okay, over, okay. you know, it, it's it, chances are, yes, they probably are dealing sure. with a lot of things. I mean, they're still kind of, you know, we still have a bunch of their stolen loot in our museums, but we won't dive into that. <laughs> um, so this second Cod War... Same thing kind of happens again. Royal Navy gets sent in. Iceland deploys uh, their coast guard to resist. However, they have a new weapon in this fight. Ooh, they is deploy it Thor Two. It's not Thor Two. It's not <laughs> Thor's hammer. It's, if anything, Thor's uh, net cutter. So they deploy these like three hundred meter long net cutters, which are just they're just like a. I don't really get how they work. They look like they're just like... They're like anchors, but I guess the inside of the hook of the anchor is like a blade. And the idea is to just, like, catch the trawlers' wires and cut them. Wow. So it's not less about, like, sending them away and just disabling them to stop being able to fish. That's like Jack Sparrow's shit. It's pretty, it's pretty, like, clever, actually, because it means they don't have to fight in open conflict. They can just go up to... the. They don't have to, like, escort trawlers out, which is a long time and long enough for... The, the Royal Navy to come in and just wreck them
1: they can just get in cut the nets and then leave and then the trawlers just have to go home to fix the fix the nets that's really clever because also if they don't damage the ships the trawlers themselves mm. then they can't really claim it's like I'm not touching you I'm not touching you I'm yeah. not going to fight <laughs> you don't know it may have been a, a
0: sharp rock under the sea you don't yeah, know exactly. you don't know what happened prove it yeah um, however quite sadly this oh. new tactic leads to the Cod Wars first injury oh so it is only one injury at this point, and we've had a whole prior war that there's been no injuries. Or at least it a no great me. <laughs> it actually sounds kind of it's classed as an injury, and I couldn't find too much information about what happened to the guy. But a um, so the Aegea, which is a different Aegea than the one we were talking about earlier, they sure. kind of made a new one. It spots a German trawler on the twenty fifth of November, nineteen seventy two, and they cut the cable, and the cable is obviously quite taut. Because it's dragging behind a bunch of like fish and rocks and who knows who else knows what. Mm. So when it's cut, it springs back and the cable flies back, hits the the ship, the trawler, and strikes one of the German trawlermen.
1: Really? Yeah. Oh, it's
0: only an injury. So clearly, I mean, the big hunk of wire pinging back at you would probably could take
1: your head off well it could we don't know how bad the injury was
0: interesting enough yeah it
1: is classed as an injury so he, it could be like phineas gage you know with the that thing through the eye it could be like well he was kind of fine mm. wasn't yeah. he <laughs> well, for a little while yeah. if anyone <laughs> wants to we're not going to go into that but look up phineas gage with a or ph. don't because we might
0: talk about it in a later episode oh, that's true yeah <laughs> Um, So, yeah, so no information on the German tournament, whether he was seriously injured or if it was anything, just maybe a light bruise. Who knows? I mean, he may have just stumbled over and hit his head, you know, or or just sprained his ankle or something. So we're not sure. Imagine everyone on the ship going, whoa, whoa, so aggressive. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But things are now really kicking off for the people as well. So there are more protests in Reykjavik. And the British embassy now has all of its windows broken during the protest. So that, like, you know, ballsy, you know, like, taunting ambassador is probably feeling, yeah, Gilchrist. He's probably, has probably shut up by now and may not be in the country anymore. If he's, you know, there's all, it's all fun and games until until people start breaking windows. Oh, I say. Yeah. (laughs) My word. This is just not cricket. Just, Just having a tea and it's just like a brick flies through the window and goes, oh. I should turn off the gramophone. Probably not a gramophone now. It's 1972, but... The The stereo. The stereo.
1: (laughs) The boombox.
0: And the Icelandic prime minister is also getting quite ballsy. Mm. So he supposedly demands that the US send jets to bomb the British frigates that have been moving in. Because... What the hell? I mean... (laughs) Britain and uh, Iceland are both part of NATO, and Iceland has quite a close military relationship with the US because during World War II, <laughs> actually, maybe, so maybe this is with maybe another part where the grudge started, Iceland was neutral during the war, uh, mainly because it was mostly ruled over by Denmark, and Denmark was invaded by Nazi Germany. So they were kind of just like, we'll stay out of this. Yeah, But because both the UK and the US saw how important Iceland was, as a kind of strategic location. Both Britain and the US invaded and kind of just not really like, you know, fighting, but just landed and went with setting up shop. It was actually the British that moved in first and then they abandoned it and then the Americans, as they do most of the world, set up a base there and have just stayed there ever since. Mm. So there's a kind of understanding between, and I think there is a treaty between the US and Iceland that the US can have a base there, but they will protect Iceland against enemies. And right now... Britain is kind of an
1: enemy. So hang on. Fifty kilometres, as you said, go infringes on other international fifty
0: nautical miles. Sorry. 50 nautical miles nautical miles which is longer than a mi- I think it it's is. longer than a mile yeah
1: yeah oh well it's longer than a kilometer anyway it was yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so they that bridges it impeaches other international waters so have like west germany and belgium sent uh ships as well or is it just the, uh, the uk navy
0: the royal navy are the only ones who are sending warships it's just that it's now pissing off others because there are other fishing vessels and there are kind of other, like, fishing tugboats that are kind of getting in tussles with some of the Icelandic patrol ships. Because, again, mm. it's all just ramming into each other. You know, it's the Navy. The British Navy are the ones who are really, like, throwing their weight around. But even the trawlers seem to be, like, getting in in the fight. Like, they
1: will bash That's into their livelihood, it. isn't it? Yeah,
0: and, they're, and I think a lot of them are seeing this as, like, a fight for... Yeah, for their livelihood, but also for their country. And, you know, there's a lot of patriotism at this time, so... Mm, okay. And sadly beyond just the injury we've mentioned, because the Second Cod War is the bloodiest, because we also have the first casualty of the war. And this is, unfortunately, on the other side. So on the 29th of August, the Icelandic Coast Guard suffered its only confirmed fatality of the wars when the Aegean, the one we were mentioning before, uh, collided with the HMS Apollo. And I'm trying to figure out exactly the order of this happened, but it seems like they collide and the Aegean wanders off. And then an engineer on board the Icelandic vessel named Haldor Halfresund dies from an electrocution in attempting to repair the ship. So as water is... As seawater is flooding in, he's using his tools. mm. So it's kind of, you know, not quite direct fighting or direct casualty, but it is, I think, from the Icelandic point of view, it's a casualty of war. Oh, of course it is. That
1: man lost his life, and that is absolutely it is re- it's really sad but having said that yeah it really does sum up the 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 whole war in a nutshell really doesn't it he yeah. died of accidental electrocution after after the impact yeah. <laughs> yeah from
0: what i can tell it, it's not clear whether or not it's like he was repairing something because if he was repairing something and was like below deck the ram happened water came in and that's when the electrocution happened that's quite a violent you know actually in conflict But it does also sound maybe more like it was just post the battle. He's just repairing something and it's kind of an accident after the fact. Yeah, there was a... Well, anyway, either way, the man dies and that's terrible. It is really sad that, you know, this kind of spat about an economic resource has now led to the death of an engineer who, Mm. you know, is just trying to make a living. So the Second Cod War also comes to a close. And it comes to a close in exactly the same way because Iceland once again play the exact same card because nothing has changed. Oh my goodness. So, they get the
1: 50 nautical miles
0: after threatening to withdraw NATO for, again and this time they also go as far to threaten to end its bilateral defense agreement with the US which means it would then expel the US troops. So the so they know the UK kind of can't piss off the US. At this point the US is a juggernaut oh, much absolutely. bigger much more powerful than the UK. And although the UK probably wouldn't like to admit it, I mean, this is also 1972. This isn't even the 50s. This is, you know, well beyond any assumption that we are, you know, the most powerful empire in the world. I mean, tell everyone in Britain that because at the time they totally still thought that. Okay, well, you know, (laughs) but we didn't (laughs) know. Parliament was probably vaguely aware that actually we can't can't keep saying that. So they bow to international pressure and once again recognise this territorial expansion and now go, yep, you can have 50 nautical miles away from your coast for your... Fishing. they do get some negotiation power and they and they say okay we can kind of be there for certain seasons uh, and fish a certain number of fishing you know, a certain amount of tonnage of fish so they get something out of it but it's not what they really want
1: what's kind of crazy is this is happening at the same time as the Vietnam War? Yeah, Yeah. so you know, so you know, two
0: two massive (laughs) conflicts at the same time. I I don't know how. Can
1: you imagine that you're the you're the U.S. Secretary of State for Defense, (laughs) and you're sat there in one briefing room with Lyndon Johnson or whoever, going, right, we we got to you know send more napalm to kill Ho Chi Minh. Yeah, and then in the next room you have. So what are we going to do about this card war? What are we going to do with card war? (laughs) I don't know what
0: to do. (laughs) <laughs>
1: Iceland are threatening
0: to to banish us from their isle. We can't do that. Has
1: anyone approached the fish about this?
0: But you know what this is? Because Vietnam War is a proxy war, isn't it? Yeah. This is not quite a proxy war, but it's a sort of proxy war because the whole point of the reason the Iceland can do what they want is because they use co- the Cold War as a reason to get away with it. Yeah. Cold War is just looming over all international politics at this time and Iceland know it and are exploiting it to hell,
1: and are doing a phenomenal job of it. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're being very bold, and I mean, I'm slightly irritated by them, but, I mean, fair play to them. Yeah, 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 mean, yeah. I, I get know. it. You'd be
0: irritated by the British as well, because supposedly when the British warships were called on the 3rd of October, the British played Rule Britannia on their radios as they left, <laughs> which is a bit lame
1: <laughs> given the fact that they lost. That's just sore losers
0: It's, it's kind of sore. Like, it's all like they're trying to... I don't know. Claim back a little respect. It's like, not...
1: ha We're still playing the music. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. You can't tell us to turn our radios down. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. So, well, oh, don't you dare tell me there's another one. You know that all good stories come in trilogies. <laughs> Cue the Third Cod War. What do they want now? The, well, the chips as well? You know what's better than 50 nautical miles? Not 100. 200 nautical miles. <laughs> You're kidding. That is what they asked. That's for. like
1: down to Southampton. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's getting free pretty- okay i'll see show- i was gonna mention it before but i'll understand it at the end and um, you guys uh listeners can go on our um go on our instagram at cloak and dagger podcast yeah um and check out the picture because there's a hilarious picture on wikipedia that i'll put on uh the instagram of just and i wonder if i can show you now of just like a visual guide of the increase in size and it's just so stupid because you just see these rings of color and the last one is just so much bigger than the like the other ones all like all fit around Iceland like the twelve miles and all the four miles and then even the fifty miles it loosely fits around
1: Iceland the two hundred miles is just a chunk of ocean around them <laughs> that they just pick to be their own. But you know what I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering whether either the Icelandic the Icelandic political stage mm-hmm. was just a bit stale, or <laughs> they needed like something to rally around for like a political campaign. And they're like, well, there's always the fish. Yeah. And there's always Britain. And maybe that was why. It's good.
0: I mean, it's good policy anywhere in the world to be like taking back something from it's 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 Brexit all over again, take back control. Like it's, but it's, it's fish and it's the life, (laughs) it's the (laughs) lifeblood of their communities. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) Look. Look, fishing communities weirdly hold a very large sway in a lot of political regimes because of their, you know, a fisherman is like the salt of the earth person that you don't want to be seen as a politician ruining the life of. And if you can, like, support fishermen... I mean, that's what, like, they had a bunch of that in Brexit.
1: Yeah, they did. Like,
0: there's a lot of, like, looking after the the fishermen. And also, that was all kind of bollocks, was this actually is. They're getting,
1: you know... What about... uh, This sounds like such a, a riposte here, but this is just devil's advocate. Sure. What about... The the Scottish fishermen <laughs> who now two hundred nautical miles must be close enough. Oh, well, I don't know how many nautical miles no, there it's are No, it's still
0: it's still quite far away. Oh, not, is it? it's, oh, not, okay. it's not imposing on because they're still nowhere near the Faroe Islands, which is like the the mid uh, bit. So okay. my, still, yeah, my yeah. geography was definitely off. I was thinking, what they must no, be no, like. Oh.
1: It's not nearly
0: overlapping with Scotland, <laughs> <laughs> which, would be, which would be a bit ballsy. Well,
1: this far I was thinking two hundred sounds like a lot, but yeah, clearly
0: yeah. It's still not that. Much. It's no, it's more about that the 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 water around. Iceland is full of fish and it's just that Britain has been sending ships there for 500 years to fish there because that's where they get so much of their fish that feeds their country and then mm-hmm. earns them a lot of money. So yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of reasons it's mostly money but also from the politicians' point of view it makes sense that they'd also want to because it's fishing communities would get destroyed. And actually and this is quite sad we have had fun but it is also quite sad that as this goes on Fishing communities in Grimsby and Hull in the UK get absolutely ravaged because well, they lose thought. so a huge chunk of their income. You know, it's nice to stick it to the Royal Navy and to Edward Heath and the other most they're mostly Tory uh, governments. It's nice to stick it to them, but they are other than their reputation being bruised they'll be absolutely fine they'll still retire to their but yeah but these local communities houses. these local communities are the ones that are getting really stuck and then also these trawlermen who are sent out there who have to get sent out there to make money are now being attacked by icelandic vessels mm-hmm. and it's you know so you could probably blame the politicians on both sides for turning this into a kind of big political statement one that the British keep lo- the British parliaments keep losing yeah. but you know they're maybe not paying enough attention to how
1: this is affecting the the people who are actually dependent on this well this is the thing every war is the same whenever this happens it's the people on the ground who, who are killed in one case Mm. and also just hurt by the local communities. The people at the top are never in... It's like the generals and the Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And this is, of
0: course, a very important war. So, of course, this would hold true for this... A trilogy of wars. A trilogy of wars. How often do you get that? A trilogy of wars? Yeah, not often. Luckily... Well, (laughs) I do not want... (laughs) We've we've yet to have the big trilogy, the big final. (laughs) God, how long that going to take? (laughs) (laughs) So, the Third Cod War. We begin in 1975. And... Also, new prime ministers. Okay. So you have Hal Grimson. and this is a good point to make. Actually, this is funny about Iceland, and they still have this. Iceland doesn't have family names. You are your last name is your father's name, son, mm. or sometimes they now modern day have like daughter
1: and stuff like well, that. Well, yeah, it would be for daughter for surely, or did the women have to take son as well? Uh, I think traditionally they would also have taken. Well, surely they took. Oh no, they, yeah, sorry, they took daughter. So yeah, be... yeah, it's daughter.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So arguably, you could have in some and in some families now if the mother didn't take the husband's her husband's
1: name you could have four separate surnames in a family i tried it, to do a bloody icelandic genealogy tree and i absolutely had to give up
0: well, do you did you get access to their records because they have really intense records they supposedly. Do. They have a dating site to tell you that you're not related to them. I know. Which is hilarious. Yeah, there's uh, they have issues with that, don't yeah, they? Yeah, 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 it's a really big deal so they really need to because they all are related. But and I wanted to ask but we didn't get time out because the guy, our tour guide was telling us about it. And I wanted to ask is there like a what's too what's too close? What's the <laughs> understanding? Like if it came up as fourth cousins, is that okay it's pretty no it is well in this country it is no but like so it's no, not first customs. not necessarily legal but in terms of like what would you be cool with okay and maybe icelandic people are a little more cool with what the rest of the world because they have to be like if it's if you rule out anyone
1: that's fourth or lower yeah it's most of the country you wouldn't be able to get that's true you know actually another fact about their gene their, their genes yeah the 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 female chromosome the x chromosome in iceland is a direct match for the same chromosomes in the Wirral. In, really? In, Ice- in Sorry, in, in Iceland. Near Liverpool, yeah. Because what happened was the Vikings really liked the women from that part of the world <laughs> and basically nicked a bunch of them wow. and settled them back in Iceland and had babies with them, probably against their will, which is awful, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that X chromosome is still there. You can see it in their DNA. So the Wirral women and the Icelandic... Wow. People have a, a God, connection. Isn't science cool? Yeah, it really is. So is history. Yeah,
0: well, <laughs> you know, we know that. <laughs> so, the third Cod War, to return to our more important tale of this. The return of, of the Cod. Cods. The return of the Cod. <laughs>
1: um,
0: I mean, yeah, because the, the, the middle one was the darkest one. It was like the Empire Strikes Cod. Like, it was. <laughs> it kind of fits. <laughs> the, the British Empire Strikes yeah. Back. <laughs> so. You've got uh, Geir Harald Grimson as yes. the Prime Minister of Iceland, and you have Harold Wilson as ah. the UK Prime Minister. So a Labour government for this one, and which what- actually will be kind of weirdly important at a certain point, which I'll get to in a bit. Okay. So just as the previous two wars, Iceland made a declaration. They're going from 50 to 200 nautical miles. As expected, the UK rejected this and sent in the Royal Navy. Ah. So it's exactly the same thing happening again. I don't know why the UK think this is going to go well for them. Because, <laughs> like... It's insanity. They're just doing the same thing again. Why
1: don't they appeal to the UN?
0: That's why I didn't get. So it seems like at certain points they were appealing to the UN for certain things, but the UN didn't really seem to care that much. I think possibly because they were distracted by the war. Yeah. In yeah, Vietnam. Yeah, exactly. And even and even them, even they like a lot of the UN was part of NATO as well, and they couldn't trump Iceland's trump card. Like it's it's too good of a it's too good of a move. Yeah. So this war is actually also where like the fighting gets hardest. So there's a lot of like heavy fighting. So lots of incidents of ships ramming each other, shots over the bow, lots of trawlers being cut, and coolly, coolly, And excitingly, Iceland even have a bit of a war hero in this in this round. Okay. So there is a naval commander named Helgi Halvathson. and Helgi is a bit of a kind of well-known commander he has actually fought in all three wars Hmm. but it's in the final war which he gets a massive reputation especially from the british officers on the other side and the british fishermen as well they give him nicknames such as mad helgi and the napoleon of the north (laughs) because he's supposedly really aggressive and is like really like fighting for for his country wow so one incident um helgi is commanding the icelandic flagship thor so i don't know if I don't know if he's been commanding it the entire time, but he might have. So he Mm -hmm. might have been one of the guys I was talking about in that intro. And he comes across three British ships sheltering in a fjord along the coast of Iceland. And they're sheltering from a storm. Okay. So he obviously sees, can't be doing with this. They've got to get rid of them. So he sails at them and orders them over the radio to leave, which they comply with. However, about two nautical miles off the coast... The three ships and Helgi's Thor broke out into a fight. What? So, and there's two conflicting reports about this. So the British report says that the incident started after the Thor attempted to board one of the British ships. And so in defense, they rammed the Icelandic ship. Although it does seem like the one that was supposedly getting boarded wasn't the one that rammed first. Okay. So possibly that's what happened, whereas the Icelandic reports say that the attack first came from the British when and came out of nowhere when the Thor simply wanted to overtake them. So it could they could actually both be true, and actually they just misunderstood. The British thought they were about to be boarded. The Thor was just overtaking, so the British attacked. Yeah, or didn't turn the brakes off accidentally, yeah. or, on purpose. Yeah, so, I Oops. mean, who really knows? I mean, also, you know... I don't know how easy it would be able to tell what ship this is. Although probably you would know because you would know Helgi. You would know Commander Helgi. And you would probably recognize the flagship Thor because it's the largest patrol vessel. Mm. So they may have seen this is a time to you know cut the head off the leadership. This is our, yeah. our moment to, thing to, to ground the mad, what's he called, mad, Helgi, mad or, Helgi. You know,
1: end Napoleon of the North. This could have been their Trafalgar. Could have been. No. Yeah. Waterloo. Yeah. Well, it depends. <laughs> Which one's the one's at sea, one's with Napoleon? It's Trafalgar. Oh. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> if you said either, so would I'm, have kind been of, fine. I'm kind of I'm kind of It's their Trafalgar
0: or Waterloo. Yeah, that works. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, so whatever the truth was, but all the ships kind of suffered a lot of damage, particularly the Thor that got Eventually, like in the fight, got round three separate times, and so I had to kind of limp back. But it managed to send the British ships, you know, fleeing when it fired a live shot into the bow of one of the ships. So, this actually time they actually hit oh my and God. struck one of the British ships, which is, you know, it got round three times. And you know, but it's no, Thor,
1: yeah, but no, um, there's no casualties though, right? No, no casualties. Maybe so. he fired Thor's hammer. He did. I mean, that Mjolnir. would That would have been a lot more casualties. I think. I think the ship would have exploded. So I hope they all they named their torpedoes like Mjolnir. Yeah, on, on, on <laughs> They'd Thor. have to.
0: They would have. I mean, that would be a missed opportunity. A very
1: much a missed opportunity.
0: Um, I think there were other ships that I, I haven't mentioned, but there were other ones like Loki, T- like, Freya, Loki. I'm not Loki and Freya. I, I doubt because, but Tyr, I think Tyr? was one of them. He's
1: the god of war, isn't he?
0: Tyr. Yeah, I think so. Um, is Thor not the god of war? No, god of thunder. Oh, of course, yeah, wildly separate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so the third cod War continued like this. There were a total fifty five altercations between Icelandic and British ships, primarily involving ramming attacks. And the Royal Navy actually started to ramp up their response from what they were doing before. Mm. so they deployed a total of twenty two frigates, but they refitted them as ramming craft. So they were planning, which is really medieval I was or like say Roman. Yeah, 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 isn't it? It's really old fashioned, but obviously they, they're not. Like, that's the whole thing. They're obviously not going to fire proper artillery at these... These are NATO imagine? allies. There's still an embassy in there. This isn't World War II. Oh my God, the Kremlin
1: must have been laughing. Yeah, they would have thought this was because absolutely not, they got hilarious. Vietnam taking, taking so many casualties for their, the main enemy, the US. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, the idiots who were also in NATO, who were less important, were fighting over fish. Yeah. <laughs> and ramming each other. It's pretty... So embarrassing. It's pretty for NATO it's like, guys, can you just stop playing with your ships? Yeah. We've yeah, got a yeah, bigger a, thing going this is on. It's
0: a really big deal, guys. Stop fighting. <laughs> yeah. And then there was another element to the Third Cod War, which was different from the other two. So, despite the fact that all three of them being largely the same, yeah. uh, this one did have like a slightly different twist to it. And it's not really confirmed, but there is possibly another reason why the Royal Navy was so fervent in this war. And it has to do with the fact that. Unlike the previous two wars, where the UK was governed by a conservative government, this time it was governed (laughs) by Harold Wilson and his Labour government. And while this was going on, Harold Wilson's Chancellor of the Exchequer, Dennis Healy, was enacting sweeping defence and naval cuts. So he's kind of gutting them because they're Labour, they don't don't have this like old-fashioned sense of the empire, and they're very willing to help the economy and, you know strip money out of defence so that they can give it back to the people. That's maybe a bit yeah, of I too of a... To, I'm, I'm you're really that. banging that drum. Yeah, I, I don't know, I, it's
1: probably a bit <laughs> they're more... They're not Robin Hood. Yeah, they. they're probably
0: not that great <laughs> But, so there's an idea that the Royal Navy saw this as a reason to prove how necessary they were. Ah, they okay. wanted to, like, show the politicians that, no, we are super important. We are currently in a super important war with Iceland. They're trying to steal our cod. You cannot defund us. <laughs> So, How did that go for them? Uh, well, I think they still got defunded. <laughs> yeah, of course they did. <laughs> and because supposedly that was another reason behind a lot of the Falklands War as well. Which oh, is really? weird because that was Thatcher. Thatcher. So, But supposedly the Royal Navy wanted to kind of justify itself because, you know, it had gone from this mighty force worldwide to probably shrunk down considerably and wanted to prove that it was still needed. And so it used these other wars to kind of win a political argument, which is also pretty rough. I mean, the Cold War, not that important, but Falklands, lots of people died. So that's pretty awful. I thought you said the Cold War, not that <laughs> important. Yeah, no, <laughs> the, the Cold, Cold War. War. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I, I mean, when I say not important, obviously, I mean, very important, but you know, yeah, yeah. no one's dying. Apart from one guy. Apart from one guy. Yeah. Not in the third one, though. So the third, the third Cold War, as far as I can see, didn't have any casualties
1: just lots of bruises lots of bruises from falling over from all the ramming probably a lot of bruised egos as well yeah and
0: mainly the bruises and and then what's really interesting is that so the Royal Navy are also uh, kind of ramping up their resistance with these like <laughs> specialised ramming craft Iceland also starts to think to do this so what they do they first at first they try to acquire US Asheville class gunboats from the Americans wow however they are told no <laughs> Um, so instead, they try to buy Soviet Merka class frigates. Oh, for God's so they're sake. really playing both sides. They're not. I mean, they're part of NATO, and they're still part of NATO at this point. But they are potentially going to buy some ships off the Soviet Union. My God! So they're really. Are like, they still
1: in NATO? Yeah. yeah. yeah, I I don't think anyone's left NATO. No, I was just checking. People joined NATO. Because you're saying they're still part of NATO. I'm thinking you're going to tell me. No, no, no. And in protest, they finally left NATO.
0: (laughs) Well, you're nearly there. Because in protest, they continue to threaten to withdraw NATO. And for the third and now final time, UK concedes. Because they cannot... Again, no idea why they decided to get into this fight. Because obviously this is where it was going to go. Weird that there was even more fighting as if the Royal Navy thought, Well, maybe we can just ram their way into submission, but
1: Yeah. I think I feel like this whole story is a case of British British emasculinity. Yes. Emasculatory emasculinity isn't it, have I said that right? It, it, Emascul- it's it's Britain being emasculated. Yeah. Emasculation. <laughs> as yes, whilst their 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 British Empire was shrinking mm. just like everything else that was going on yeah, in British heads anyway, and they just needed some Viagra, and this was... This they was needed they a did. win, and yeah. they got three losses instead.
0: Yeah. I mean, but also, I mean, you know, I do say... But there's an argument to be made that there are British fishing communities that were then destroyed by this. No, Iceland, no, 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 yeah. I, it's I, not like Iceland worked with Britain. They just declared and said, no, these are our fish. Yeah. So Iceland's also not really great. In this, but it's f- more fun to root for them because they're the underdog, and they literally they they had Mad Helgi commanding Thor against the British Navy. So, Gosh. what's not to love? Yeah, of course, it's a great tale. It is, and that is the that is the end of our tale. There is no Fourth Cord War, thank God. Well, yes. who knew? Oh, very good point. We cannot be complacent. Yeah, Brexit. all we know. Brexit. 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 This time, is, I mean, I'm not. I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'm going to say Brexit is very much a continuation of the Cod Wars.
1: You heard it here first, yeah, listener. Yeah, that is our that That's is our headline. That piece. is the
0: Coke and Dagger hot take. Is that really this was purely a, a continuation? I think Boris Johnson saw his moment to revenge himself against the the, the, <laughs> the, the, the Icelandic yeah. people to yeah, the north. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah in the end, it's just a staggering victory for iceland. they grow it's literally they Before, like prior to even the wars, they were limited to three nautical miles of fishing. That was their, like, their territory, and they grew it to 200 nautical miles. And as I said, check out the Instagram and check out that photo because it's just stupidly ridiculous. Uh, It is a great tale. And thank you so much for telling us it, Patrick. I would say, if you would like to do further reading, I haven't done any research into these, but Wikipedia recommended there's also a turbot war, a lobster war, and a scallop war. So if you have enjoyed this, aquatic based war if that's your thing if this is yeah yeah if 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 you look at a, on a dinner menu and go hmm history then these might be the wars for you <laughs> I love the smell of cod in the morning yeah. <laughs> brilliant well yeah so thank you for journeying with me through this I mean some of the darkest times I think in human certainly British history
1: yeah Um, I mean talk about putting salt in the wound of losing their empire (laughs) can't even kick the Icelanders oh that's
0: such a good joke why didn't I pick oh I should have said that that's such a damn it thank you (laughs) yeah that's really really good well well I hope you enjoyed it listener I I really enjoyed uh, learning about this and as I said yeah if you ever get a chance to go to Iceland or Reykjavik, it is amazing. And sorry this hasn't actually been that much about Reykjavik, but... Hey, it's called Smoky Bay. You is, that? We do know it's called Smoky Bay. Yeah. And the,
1: the, the smoke from the the tatters of the British Empire. So three things to take away from this episode, then, sure. is um, if you're trying to fa- found a new place to stay, mm-hmm. throw a couple of logs into the water. Important logs. Important logs. Important into logs. Into the water. Second of all... Never mess with Iceland and fish, because it's never going to end well. They're going to send Mad Helgi and Thor. So Exactly. And third of all, whatever happens, never send the Royal Navy to do diplomacy. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: It's all... I mean, it's interesting you know, comparing it to... This isn't like a war of independence or anything like that, but just seeing how Iceland dealt with this situation is just great like it's just it's i mean it's kind of s- silly and, and stupid and stuff but they would have you know iceland is a fairly successful country now it's fairly successful it's always been a pretty successful but a most a quite poor nation um but you know they're thriving and they're doing great and honestly i was over there and it's really really nice so we could learn a lot from them <laughs> we could indeed cool brilliant well that is the end of my episode will would you like to give us a a, a hint a what was, what's the a preview, a uh, sneak peek. A sneak peek. What do we call them? Yeah. <laughs> when well, we can't call them a sneak peek because. That's what you're going to yeah, get that, on the well, Monday. That's, well, yeah, that's the. Yeah, yeah, you've already seen that. So can you give us a preview or even a hint? A of will of coming. The wisp. A wi- <laughs> that's. Well, you should have stuck with salt in the wound. <laughs> I think you've lost all credibility down there. Um,
1: just give us your hint. What What are you doing next week? Okay. Two next, weeks from now. Yeah, sorry, two weeks from now. Um, We will be journeying to the center of the ancient world. Of Rome, in Ugh. Italy, and my I'm story. Not surprised. I know the. I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> so my tale will take place around 500 years ago. So we're finally going back in time, um, because yeah. this is far too close to the modern times for my liking. As much as it's a great story, hmm. um, and yeah, so it's going to be around sort of the Tudor times, but over in Italy.
0: Interesting. I know actually not that much about. I know. I guess I know like. I guess I know mostly about the Pope around that time. I don't know about Rome really. I just know in terms of like. I don't know where I'm going with
1: this, but yeah, I, I don't know much about that. <laughs> well, tune in next time and you'll uh, you'll hear it. So thanks so much for listening, guys. Yes, and thank you, and we'll see you in two weeks' time. Yeah, still getting used to that, but yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs> see ya. Bye. <laughs>